Okay, Mr. Mix. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I am the Eggman. Oh, fuck me. What? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Very, a very strange album. Um, it's, well, uh, it's, it's very influenced. St. Pepper's. No, it's not Sergeant Pepper's. It's um, the other one. Um, oh, oh, um, I'm the. It's it's uh, it's the magical yeah, yeah. tour album. Yeah, that yeah, album is fucking weird. Nuts. That one's nuts. But I do like that song. And um, you know, also really like Lucy and the Scarlet Diamond. It doesn't matter. So you know, <laughs> you know, it's great that we're we're coming in this way. Speaking of weird music, because I have a bone to pick with you. A bone? Yes. Okay. Mister, I should listen to Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. So good. Oh. So, well, the, it's the, the title track is what you know. Eddie Hazel is maybe the greatest guitar player in music. So, I'm glad you're saying that because I had a very visceral reaction to that song, to Maggie Brain. So interesting. I uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to it on my way to work when I told you I was going to do it. So I was yeah. like, you know what? On my way home, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. And I listened to it, and you know, it starts off with George Clinton talking. And then it leads into that. I will say the guitar solo is cool. It's brilliant. It is ten and a half minutes long. But there's no, yeah, it was ten and a half minutes long. There's no singing. Yeah. I was physically getting so angry. Why? I don't know. And that's the weird thing. I was hands around my steering wheel, knuckles turning white, because there was no singing. And it it just, I don't know why. Like I got so How interesting, angry, and I I was like, nope, can't do it. I'm not listening to this album. Oh, I apologize. That is the only song that's instrumental. The rest of them is singing. <laughs> I, I fucking couldn't do it, dude. I was like, interesting. It's their sophomore album. Um, God, it's so good. You know, I mean, Eddie Hazel. God, dude. one of the unsung heroes. Of guitar, you know, in, in music history, people don't talk about him like they talk about Hendrix or Prince or Clapton, and they should. They should. I just man, I don't like. I was yelling at at, at the cars going by me, obeying the rules of the road, and I was screaming at them. Wow! Because I was so angry. Wow! And I don't know why. I, I've never had that kind of reaction. And just like that, we've lost all of our viewership. I know. Our, our <sighs> listening. I mean, listenership. we still have Joel, so it's all right. Yeah, I, I bet you he don't like it either. I don't, I, we gave him a whole episode, so he better be sticking around. He better, you know? But, dude, I... So that's why I said, man... Maggot brain. I just... I, oh, Love it. Oh, God. I have like, a vinyl, of course, and I listen to the mobs all the time. But I, it has to be when my uh, when my neighbor um, is gone, so I can crank it, right? Mm-hmm. When my neighbor's gone, I can turn up the music a little bit, because the acoustics in there are so strange that, you know, I can be five feet away from my desk and I can't hear it. But if I'm, you know, 10 feet on the other side, on the side of my desk, I can. And so it's really strange. But anyway, um, so when she's gone, I can crank up Maggot Brain and really just get into the groove of Eddie Hazel. Dude. Um, Again, Eddie Hazel probably, I think, my personal opinion, better than Hendrix. That's just, yeah. So, okay. I'll tell you what. I will give it one more try. All right. But, man, I'm going (laughs) to skip 
the first song. Uh, insane. It's so good. Because I... It's really the only reason I love the albums. I mean, the other songs are great. You know, it's just more, you know, George Clinton, you know, mixing funk with R&B, you know, and a little bit of rock and roll. But it, it, nothing is as good as the title track. Maggot you know, Brain. and here's... And, you know, and I've never had a reaction I like mean, that to music. welcome back to the music podcast, but... I mean, like, I dislike certain kinds of music. You know, like, I can go on about how I dislike Taylor Swift. But I've never had a, a reaction to where I get that <laughs> angry. I can't... I, I still can't imagine why. And I know you can't give me an answer because neither do you, but... <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things, like, my brain was processing it. I and forgot I, I'd ask you to do that. And I was just like... Is listen to the... I have The National, the which I'm oh, going to start that. listening to. That. I love The National. Now, you will like The National much more because, you know, it's singing and, you know, it's really... I mean, the... We'll see. Okay. I, I love instrumental, you know, like... It, I, I can't explain it. Like when we did Glenn Gould for The House of Jack. Yeah, I love right. that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I have, you know, there's a band I listen to called Dance, Gavin Dance, and they've re-released virtually all their albums, all just instrumental, and mm-hmm. I love it because I can actually hear the guitar. Yeah. And, but something just about something the, about Maggot Something Brain. about Maggot Brain. How dude, interesting. I was just... Oh, then you then I guess we can't ever do love um, the Gaspier, the Gaspier no film. Um, oh, is that the one that you and Alex were talking uh, about? Yes, uh, I'm not going to say on mic. No, but I mean yes. There's um, unsimulated sexual intercourse <laughs> in the film. Yes, but uh, in one of the scenes, um, they play Maggot Brain over the scene. Oh, okay. And uh, and it's so brilliant. I just I just love it. And you know, the, anyway, doesn't matter. Anyway, to, um, to end it, so we can talk about the movie. Uh, I will give Maggot Brain one more listen, but I will skip the first track. I, mean, I might, you know, I mean, I appreciate that, um, and your willingness to give it a second chance, even though it doesn't need one because it's amazing. Um, <laughs> but I really think that if you, my, I mean, literally my favorite band probably of all time is probably the national because I listen to them all the time. I have all their albums almost. Um, I'm missing this. I'm missing their second album. Sad songs for dirty lovers. I need it. If anybody knows where I can find it on vinyl, that'd be great. Um, comment down below, <laughs> comment down below. But, <laughs> but to me, the national is a mixture of things that I love about music, which is a songwriting, Mm-hmm. and unique and sort of powerful musicality and okay. organization. And so it, it mixes like Leonard Cohen with, you know, Paul Simon and, you know, anyway. Yeah. Songwriting is phenomenal and the music is phenomenal. And, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. It's like Bon Iver, same thing. But anyway. Um, Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. I've always called it Bon Iver. Like Bon Iver? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, I say Bon. But anyway. Anyway, so to the, to, <laughs> to the movie, um, Magnolia. It is a Jeremy pick. It's a Jeremy pick. Um, I, you know, I knew nothing about the movie going into it. Which is how it should be. So I... You know, I was very shocked when, you know, Julianne Moore came on screen yeah. and then Tom Cruise came on screen and then John C. Riley came on screen. And then uh, my boy, R.I.P., Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. Uh, love that guy. Yeah. He, he, anything he touches is great. Even Brant in a, The Big Lebowski. A career best for Tom Cruise, in my opinion. 
he it was you know it was so refreshing to see him see him not be Ethan Hunt. Yeah. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, if you want to see what Tom Cruise can do, watch Magnolia. Yeah, because, you know, the mummy was essentially Ethan Hunt fighting a mummy, (laughs) you know. The only time I've ever seen him not be Ethan Hunt was Tropic Thunder. And that was because they physically put him in a fat suit. (laughs) But even then, like, it seemed like he had more fun. Yeah. But, yeah, but with this, I loved it. I I loved his his character. I loved how he handled himself. And a career end for Jason Robarts. This is his last movie. Um, Uh, The Earl, correct? Yeah. Earl Partridge, yeah. Yeah, that was – so, man. (sighs) So, while I was watching the movie, Mm -hmm. I was – Two hours in. And a three-hour movie, by the way. This is a long movie, um, but it's worth it. My opinion, it's it, it kind of flies by. I mean, uh, the first the first time you watch it, it flies by. To me, it, it really – not dragged, but mm-hmm. it definitely felt its length. It okay. definitely felt three hours, but not in a bad way. You know, like <clears> – <throat> You know, like The Godfather Part Two, for instance, you you know you're getting into a three hour long. And movie. this is a unique thing because this movie really primarily takes place in movie time in one day. Yes, and so I think that's what makes it. Maybe you can feel the time more, and I can see why you can feel the time mm-hmm. more because we're not going day to day to day to day. It's we're going hour to hour to hour to hour. It's it's like the final season of How I Met Your Mother. Which I hated. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was I was actually talking about that the other day. I was like, you know, it's a good season. The last but... episode should have been the season. Yeah. Which it blows my mind that they didn't do that. But anyway, this is not the How I Run podcast um, <laughs> because I love the finale. But anyway, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I man, I, I I enjoyed it. You know, like I was saying off mic, um, greatly enjoyed it. I went from. And I think this is a testament to the movie, to any movie, really. I went from laying on the couch mm-hmm. to kind of sitting up a little bit to fully sitting forward. And yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. Because um, the first 30 minutes, uh, as I told you off mic, wasn't really grabbing my attention. I was just like, yeah, okay, you know. We have all these different characters and, you know, it's this interconnectivity that I haven't picked up yet. It took me so – it took me three or four – um, viewings. Okay. To realize how Earl and Connects Linda everything. and yeah, Frank. So their whole their clump. So it's Earl, Linda, Phil, and Frank. Mm-hmm. I knew they all fit together, but I it took me so long to figure out how everyone else to how they fit with everybody else. And it wasn't until like the third or fourth one I was really paying attention to the TV they were watching. And the Earl Partridge Productions came up mm-hmm. on what do kids know? And I go, there it is. That's yeah. how they're connected with everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first 30 minutes, I was just, I didn't feel very engaged. Mm-hmm. I was just like, eh, all right. But then at the hour mark, um, that's when I felt like things were starting to kind of pick up a little bit. I want to say it was the scene where they're, they're, you know, we're watching the taping or the filming of What Do Kids Know? Mm-hmm. And he asks where this opera came from. Right. And the kids start singing, but then you can hear it playing in the yes. background. That's when I was like, okay. Right. And then we jump to Linda and um, and Jim in, in her apartment. Claudia. And then, right. 
Oh, Claudia. Sorry. What did I say? You said Linda. Linda. Sorry. Uh, Claudia and Jim in her apartment. And you can and then hear it can hear in the, the background. Yeah. yeah, that's when I was like, okay. And yeah. then that's when I progressively started to sit up and like really focus in um, on the rest of the movie. Yeah, he does that a lot. Paul Thomas Anderson uh, does that a lot in this where he'll use music to connect these characters together. Mm-hmm. You know, without saying... These people are all connected, right? Right. Uh, we get to figure it out. And like I said, sometimes it could take a minute. <laughs> For me, it took a lot to figure out how Earl fits in with everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and I forgot about William H. Macy. God damn it. That's right. We're That's Donnie Smith. But we, Yeah. So um, would you like to know how everyone fits together? Because I drew a diagram. I mean, I figured it out, but... Well, everyone else needs, else. Yeah, everyone else needs to know. So, um, and there is an extra person in here that is mentioned, but his story was cut from the movie, which Worm. is Worm, right? Uh, Orlando Jones. Yes, is Worm. yeah. Because I was looking through the cast list to see if maybe there was anyone else I missed. Yeah, I was like, oh, Orlando Jones. And which didn't I see am the biggest fan of Orlando Jones. Yeah, I he's think great. he is the best. I think his character on American Gods is. So interesting. Uh, what's his character again? I don't remember. Because I'm reading the book. Because he's um, he's the the smooth jazz. Uh, I don't think I've gotten in the book there. Um, who in the in the show appears on a slave ship and convinces the slaves to break out of their chains and burn the ship down. Ah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Well, he's the spider. I uh, I loved him in even though it was a very small role. I loved him in Office Space. I, yeah, he's so. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to stay off drugs, and it's very blatant. Like, like guys, I, I just say that to sell these magazines. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're not going to tell anyone, right? Well, that all depends, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, it, and, it's, and that's all his whole scene in the whole movie. And anyway, right? But yeah. So okay. So when Paul Thomas Anderson was writing the script, uh, he created Claudia first. Okay. So Claudia. Uh, Claudia Gator, or I think in the movie she introduced herself as Claudia Wilson. Claudia Wilson. I guess I don't think she, I don't think she, she wants to be associated with her dad. She doesn't. And we'll find out why at the end. Right. Um, and so we get Jim and Worm through her because Jim is the love interest and Worm is the criminal he's chasing, right? Yeah, because Jim is uh, Jim is played by John C. Riley and he's right. a cop. Yes. Not a very competent cop. Well, no, no, he's competent. He's just not. I would say clumsy. Yeah. Um, her father, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Gator is the host of What Do Kids Know? And uh, he, they say he's been on TV for fifty years. They use um, Thomas, Thomas Jane, Jane no. right, as his younger self, <laughs> a in Punisher, the, right, <laughs> in right in the old. You know, um, when we are introduced to Donnie. And this is how Donnie and Stanley connect to everybody because they're contestants on What Do Kids Know? And unfortunately for Donnie, he, you know, was one of the, you know, breakout stars being on the contestant, being a contestant on the show. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned in passing he was struck by lightning and his intelligence sort of diminished from that. Right. Uh, which is a shame. Um, and Stanley is the new, uh, fresh... Donnie. Right. Yeah. Um, and Donnie, of course, is William H. Macy. 
Mm-hmm. Stanley, I don't remember his name. Um, oh, no, I forgot Alfred Molina is also in the movie. Yes. <laughs> now, Alfred Molina is Donnie's boss, but um, he's yeah. not you know, one of the main characters. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't even put Jimmy's wife in this either because she's not really a main character either. Yeah, no, well, yeah, one in, well, Rose, you mean, like, yeah, Claudia's mom? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the only husband and wife that are in here is Earl and Linda. Right, right, right. right. Um, so Earl Partridge, like I said, is Jimmy's boss. Mm-hmm. He owns the production company that produces What Do Kids Know? Right. Mm-hmm. He is married to Linda, and uh, his son from a previous marriage is Frank T.J. Mackey. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And his nurse is Phil. Phil. Phillips more often. <laughs> I, I love that. Is that he, he was Phil and and Phil. Yeah. Um, and so that's how everybody connects. And so um, the coolest part about it is at in this at this night. Okay, they don't necessarily live this far away from each other, mm-hmm. but in this instance, in this night, they're I think one two square miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um. And you can tell because when um, I think it's John C. Riley, yeah, after he's leaving the restaurant, he's Claudia driving, stormed out. Yeah, he sees Donnie, right, climbing up a telephone pole. Yes, and uh, the the ambulance that's taking Linda drives by Donnie also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but really, it's when the ambulance drives into the frogs. Spoiler! Spoiler! Um, you can see the cutoff, right? Okay. Where where it starts and where it ends, right? Where um, that line is being drawn of where they are. And we'll get mm. to that in a minute. But they, I think that's the coolest part. And I, I remember reading it years ago and I couldn't find it again, the, the space that they're in, the actual, like how far apart they are from each other. Mm-hmm. That all these people are connected not only by the people they know or the jobs that they have, but also in their physical location right where they are so would you like to because and you're better with this movie um would you like to give the audience just a brief little comprehension of what is going on in this movie all right i call man so (laughs) i know it just laid a massive task on you it's a big yeah because it's really not anything really plot driven yeah these are just snapshots in these people's lives you know linda Mm -hmm. is played by julianne moore right she's married to earl we find out she's been cheating on him and she's never really loved him and now she's decided she does and she doesn't want any of his money anymore but then she doesn't want uh frank Tom cruise to get anything no and so what's cool is is that i like that it's not it's not a secret that Frank is Earl's son to anyone but us. Right. right? And maybe to Phil. Because <laughs> Phil is like, wait, what? Okay, let me try to get a hold of him, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like he knew before, and now he's actually got to contact Frank, right? And so mm-hmm. that's the daunting issue, and that's him on the phone, you know, asking for the for the nudie mags <laughs> on the phone. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that at first. I was like, I'm like, is he... Is he really gonna? So did I. So I when gonna, I is, first is, saw it, is and he then, gonna jerk off when he's supposed to be having this old man? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, and then no, when he, he opens up the page and he sees it, I was like, ah, Frank. okay, yeah. Um, and so, and Earl is dying of uh, brain and lung cancer. No, Earl. Did I say Earl? 
Yeah, you said Earl. Okay, good. Earl is dying from brain and lung cancer, and that's why Jimmy's dying failed. of like bone cancer. Yes, um, it's metastasized to his bones. That's uh, what as he soon as he said metastasized, all I could see was Michael Shannon's face. Metastasized. It's metastasized. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, shout out to nocturnal animals, um, Tom Ford. All right, so <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that's Jimmy, Earl, Linda, Frank. Well, not really Frank. Frank is a. I should here. Let, I should have said we should have explained who these people are. Right. I should have said that. Right. So we've already so we already touched on Linda, Phil, Jimmy, Frank, or Earl. Yeah. My bad. Because Frank. It's, this is really why I wrote it down because I needed to remember these people's names. Um, Frank is a sort of motivational speaker, yeah, but one that is problematic in today's day and age. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, woke culture would tear him apart. Yes. So he has. It's kind of like when that VH1 show, The Pickup Artist, was on. He's kind of like. I don't like even that. remember that show. Oh, you don't? No. Nah. That's crazy. Okay, so <laughs> maybe it was some fever dream I had once, but I'm pretty sure that show existed. Um, so Frank is a motivational speaker. Trying slash. I was going to say pickup artist. Pickup artist, right? Yeah. So what he his job <laughs> is essentially to sell these. You know, books and DVD, or I guess not DVDs. It'd be videos at that yeah. point. Still, um, well, it, it was ninety nine. It should have been. That's true. Um, DVD should have been right, just not coming in. Yeah, but anyway, and um, trying to get men to trick women into sleeping with them. Yeah. That's what it is. And there is a a uh, a chapter. <laughs> in the book that's how to fake like you are kind and caring and person. Caring person. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Um, oh, and I love I mean the whole the whole thing is His is, monologues are phenomenal. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean the whole thing is, is gross but like I love the title Seduce and destroy. Seduce and destroy, right? So good. His, his first line the first line we ever hear him speak is respect, respect the, the cock, cock. And tame the cunt. It is very aggressive right off the bat. I mean, this guy is out of his mind. And I hated what he was wearing too. That leather vest and that the first the first outfit. He does do an outfit change. Um, but you know, it's that you know weird sort of silky shirt and the yeah. leather vest. It was very. I hated it. And, and I, I think he was, was getting ready for too. Mission Impossible Two because his hair was long. Yeah, his hair was really long. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he was getting ready for Mission Impossible Two. Does. Um, Taylor Two Kitties. The the best one. Yeah. No, it's not. It's the worst. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the worst one. Anyway. So that's what Frank does. Um, Donnie Smith, as we've said, was... Was a quiz kid? At quiz kid Donnie Smith in 1968. He won the big prize. Um, and since then has had a string of bad luck and is down on his luck. You know, got struck by lightning. That was terrible. Terrible sentence structure. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, runs into a 7-Eleven at the did. beginning that of the movie. That was crazy. So I still haven't quite figured out, like, why he – or, you know, I, I just know don't it was think an he accident. Was... He just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, and he – Which is a good representation of where he's at now because before he was with Kid Donnie Smith, there's no way he would have done that. But after the, the lightning strike and the whatever, the neglect in his – you know, intelligence has made him a clumsy buffoon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
And anyway, so his part is really, you know, he gets fired from his job and he sits in a bar. And that's one of the great establishing shots where it's Goodbye Stranger by Super Tramp from Breakfast in America. Um, and we kind of do a 360 of the bar. From and, his perspective. Right. Kind of and, from his perspective. And that's where we get to meet people that he's going to meet here in a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always say the grandpa from Look at the Irish. I don't remember his name, but that's um, who he is. I've uh, seen him in other things. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, I have to. He, oh, he's the, he's the fucking. Um, <laughs> the Indiana Nazi from the Blues Brothers. Perfect. He's the fucking uh, leader. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, no, it's Illinois. Illinois. Illinois um, fucking Nazis. <laughs> And so, and then we get to meet everybody in that bar. That was really yeah. cool. Stanley, of course, is the new one, the new whiz kid who's um, on the show currently. Mm-hmm. His dad is sort of, it's his relationship with his dad is really iffy because he, obviously his dad's a douchebag. But his dad keeps like, you know, love you, buddy. Exactly. So we do get this sort of, you know. Almost like a love-hate Yeah, kind of because, thing. you know, he's really hard on Stanley. And it's and it's not he's hard on Stanley in a you need to study. It's a why, are, why do you have all these books? It's so stupid. But then he goes like, you have to win. Mm-hmm. You can't do both, sir. <laughs> Pick one, right? And so it's really frustrating to see their interactions. The, uh, the one I hated the most <clears throat> is when, you know, it's revealed that he he wet himself in the middle of the competition which I, I was like this I skipped fucking- it I skipped it this time because it makes me so uncomfortable that I was like I know what it is I skipped it I just well it made me sad for him I'm yeah. like he told these people I need to go to the bathroom Felicity Huffman who is married to William H. Macy and is now probably in jail I don't really follow the tabloids or whatever hmm. she was the one who um, got her daughter into the Ivy League school by faking the and bribing the blah 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 uh, Felicity Huffman. Anyway, um, but you know he wets himself. So the so so the one scene that really stands out to me about like really uh, Stanley and his dad's relationship is like when the fat kid Richard or whatever <laughs> that kid's an asshole. Oh fuck that kid, dude. <laughs> They're uh, both assholes. The girl is too, man. I know. Um, but then like he's like, oh, he fucking pissed his pants, and his dad like leans in, almost like a caring father would, and he's like, you pissed your pants. Like, and he sounds so sincere. And then when he picks him up, he's like, oh, Jesus, Stanley, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. And I'm like. Right. You know, and that's sort of when the crescendo starts mm-hmm. and then where we get the big payoff at the end. But um, then we talk about Jimmy and we talk about Claudia. We talk about Jim. Okay. That's everybody. So <laughs> I know it's a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite comedians, Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, has a great oh, guy. has a great bit um, in uh, Labor and Delusions, um, his stand up special because he was in the movie, really, but he was cut. But he was in the movie because um, okay. Paul Thomas Anderson loved going to Largo to watch comedy. Mm-hmm. That um, he would ask comedians every once in a while to be in his movies, and Paul F. Tompkins ended up being in There Will Be Blood. Um, but he first started, and here he said the, the script was like the phone book. You know, I feel like I heard him talking about this that yeah. it's, it was massive. It's huge. Oh, that's right. I, I remember this because then he's like he's sitting there and he's flipping and circling, flipping and circling, and then yeah. Tom Cruise sits down and blah blah. blah. So and he's it, like, he says something like like oh you don't have to worry about it, man. And he's like you don't. 
And yeah, it's so. I really highly recommend people looking up the bit. It's really really funny, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you showed it to me. It's great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even gotten to what I think is the most interesting part of the movie is the beginning. Is the yes, I, I really wanted to talk about that because I feel like that sets up. It sets up the idea of coincidence, right? Right. And so we have the account of the hanging of the three men. We have. I just got chills just saying that because I love the story and because that one's true. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and then we have. And then we the, have the suicide. The scuba diver. Right? Oh, the scuba diver. That's right, right, right. And then we have the suicide. So hmm. the Greenberry Hill. That's true. Uh, from what I read. So it, so it was three men, who. They they mugged the guy, but he ended up dying. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then they broke into a shop and robbed and, a shop. And it turns out that their names, their last names, Greenberry and Hill, it's also the town's name or the the name of the apothecary or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, Greenberry Hill. Um, and so that's just this crazy coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the old urban legend of the scuba diver who gets scooped up um, from the lake after a, a plane picks it up to put out a fire. Uh, however, uh, the they do a little... Twisty twist. Yeah, where the pilot and the scuba diver had met like a couple three nights before, yeah, three nights before uh, when he was dealing, when the scuba diver was dealing the pilot uh, Pope Blackjack. Yeah, and... Uh, and, and they the, had an altercation. Yes. Right? Unbelievable. And then when the pilot realizes that that's the same guy, kills himself. Kills himself because he's oh, the like coincidence is too strong, right? Yeah. Um, and then we have the suicide. And then the suicide. So the suicide of um, Sidney Belcher. Yes. Um, is a a story to help police officers determine cause and effect, because the way it looks is not the way it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such an amazing example of yeah, I really, cause and effect. I really feel like they broke that down really more well. than anything. Yeah, because they had to because it's so complicated. Right. And this is what they – this is – it used to be anyway a, a real-life example they give to police officers to determine cause and effect. Okay. Um, and so what's really cool is that on the rooftop where Sydney is, mm-hmm. um, there is, I think, hose – or um, or rope or something in the shape of an eight and a two, uh, and it's to represent Exodus chapter eight verse two, which we'll get to. Um, there's also a man in the audience of what do kids know um, holding an Exodus eight two sign, and it gets ripped out of his hands by a, a member of the production staff. <laughs> and, Sidebar. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, okay. Clark Gregg. Yes, was, Clark Gregg. It was the countdown guy. That's right. I was like, ah, Agent Coulson. Now, the the narrator. He's also Jimmy. Yes. His uh, best that's friend. Ricky J. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, then there's also uh, on one of the ExxonMobil gas stations on the marquee, it says Exodus 82. Also on. But anyway, so the suicide. The suicide. So it's so fascinating how they break it down and how complicated it is because. He would not have died from the fall. Because he was there, shot. Yes, because there was um, – they had laid something to – It was a net because they were um, either they washing were, windows or 
um, scaffolding or something. It was, I think it was scaffolding. It, yeah, it was some sort of construction was being done to the building, and so they put down a net just in case, right, mm-hmm. for the workers. Which, sidebar, if he hadn't gotten shot, how did he not notice the net? I don't know. Despair? I don't know, dude. <laughs> um, but here's the, here's the really insane part, is okay. that the fact that he gets shot in the first place um, mm-hmm. from out the window, right, it's From his the parents. Third story window. Yeah, yeah. it is his parents, mm-hmm. and he's the one who loaded the shotgun. So he is an accomplice in his own murder, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and they explain that, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, he was so sick of his parents fighting all the time. He actually, and they would always threaten each other with the shotgun. That he the night before loaded the shotgun, so that if they actually do threaten, they'd kill each other, right? Um, but instead, she misses. Hits out the window, and that was as he was falling. At the exact moment, she shot the gun and it hits him him. in the chest. Yeah, right. And And then he hits the net. Right, and we know it's a suicide because the note in his pocket. Right, Mm -hmm. and so it's this really very complicated story of coincidence and cause and effect. Right, right, and so these three stories sort of prepare you for the connectivity of these characters that mm-hmm. you know these these coincidences you know are are powerful or what right right uh, it's incredible i love this movie so much yeah um so anyway what did you think of the prologue i i, I love the prologue myself but prologue's the beginning right yes okay sometimes i get prologue and epilogue and epilogue confused sometimes. Yeah. um no i loved it i i was that was part of the 30 minutes where i was like well, but I love the I love the examples. Mm-hmm. I especially love the suicide example because yes. I thought it was so intricate, and I love things like that where yeah. it's it's this this this. And I'll be honest. So this is the first time I've ever seen Magnolia, mm-hmm. but I've seen. Do you remember on old VHSs where they would have like, you know, you know, it's kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know, people, you know, how people complain about teasers, mm-hmm. teaser trailers nowadays. Yep. Um, and that's what they used to do in the 90s. They would yep. do teaser trailers and no one would bitch. Yeah. But I remember seeing a teaser trailer on one of our old VHSs of Magnolia. Oh. And it was of the suicide example. Oh, that's cool. But right when he gets, like right when they shoot and you see the guy fall mm-hmm. and you see Sydney fall. And then it just says Magnolia and it like flashes all the actors' names. Yeah. And I, as a kid, I was always like, well. What is this? Yeah. You know, but no, I saw, so I really loved the suicide. I also never, I didn't catch it until I looked at the cast list that the janitor from Scrubs is one of the guys. Yes, he is. In the um, beginning example. He's Hill. He's the, he's the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was trying to pay attention to their faces. I was like, they wouldn't show us close-ups of their faces if they weren't important. Mm -hmm. And I didn't catch it until I looked at the cast list. I was like, oh. Dr. Yeah. Jan Etor. Yeah, Jan Etor. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. Again, you know, that was the main part that really held my attention in that first 30 minutes. But mm-hmm. then after that, I was just kind of like, ow. Oh, okay. Now, none of these people are those people. <laughs> Why was this even there? Yeah. Now, but then, yeah. Yeah, but it was just, it was interesting because then I started to, because then I was like, okay, I think I know what I'm about to get into. Mm-hmm. And still... Wasn't expecting no uh, the big crescendo. Yes, which I think before we talk about, I think we should talk about where all of our characters ended up when it happened. Yeah, so they you know become victims of their choices, 
Right. So the I think the most um, troubling one is Jimmy's because we we get the reveal that he might have and did, according to um, the trivia and probably to Paul Thomas Anderson, that he absolutely did molest his daughter Claudia. Yeah, yeah, because that that was the one. So I like I like certain closure. In, in By the way, that's Philip Baker Hall, and I love Philip Baker Hall. Uh, he I, plays Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I wanted closure with that. Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if, if a film ends and it's meant to be left to our decision, then I don't I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But when it's something like this, I was like, no, I need closure. I need to know. Did you do it? Yeah. Which is, you know, the thing that his wife says, you know, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, just tell me. And he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, yes, he does. Yes, you do. Um, you do know. I know. It's and, really frustrating. And I'm like, and just fucking tell me. Here's your closure. Mm-hmm. They mentioned this actor twice, okay, in okay. the movie. And it's supposed to subconsciously get you to think about what molestation does to a person in the long run in terms of depression and addiction. And they mentioned Corey Haim twice. Oh. Uh, and Corey Haim, of course, was molested as a child. And um, fell into uh, a pattern of depression drugs. and addiction and, and drugs. And, and killed him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's Claudia. Claudia is supposed I, to be that. And I would like to point out, she does so much cocaine in this movie. I know, it's a lot, right? And, and you know, and yeah, and it happens in one day. She does at least three lines before John C. Riley shows up at her apartment. Yeah. She does... At least two while he's there. I think she does three more lines before their date. She yeah. does a line while they're at their date. Yeah. And then does a line when she comes home. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. She did a lot of cocaine. No, no, no. Yeah. She does two lines when she gets home. That's right. She does do two lines when she gets home. Um, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, it's a lot of cocaine she's doing. I know, uh, man. And I love that actress who plays Claudia. Um, she was the mom in Butterfly Effect. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that movie. Um, no. Never saw it. That's okay. That surprises me. All right, so yeah, so um, so so that's where Jimmy and Claudia are, right? Claudia, well, you know, we finally Claudia understand and her dad. Yeah, we finally understand why, why she's so fucked up. Yes, and why? Yeah, because you know when he comes to see her, she's very hostile, and you know, oh, she's furious. He's there. Yeah, you know, like you know, are you gonna call me fucking whore? And he's like, I'm, I'm not gonna call you anything. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm dying, sweetie. And she's like, oh, you're you're dying? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to lie to you. And also his sort of um decline is very uncomfortable as well when mm-hmm. he's because I guess because you know for some reason they're doing it live and I don't know why they're doing that. Uh but maybe it's they're not shooting it live, but it's the audience, right? And you know they're watching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he gets hammered before they he start does, filming. But that's really not. I don't think you know. It's. I think it's a mixture of the cancer and the the alcohol. Uh huh. Um, that he is so because it sounds like he does this all the time. Right. Like when he gets off the phone with his wife, he goes, "I still have a lot more drinking to do." You know. Uh, and she no. didn't seem phased by that. Yeah. <laughs> she um, herself is also drinking, and so. Um, it, it might be a ritual at this point because he also had a shot on his desk uh, when he calls his wife before the before the taping. Yeah, yeah, and um, he was like, "Where were these cards fifteen minutes ago?" You know what I mean? Right. So we know it's before, and there's a shot on his desk, and so he's been drinking all day. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and again, no one seems to be phased by that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so so with, with Jimmy, you know, so his wife storms out, uh, tells him he deserves to die alone. Mm-hmm. And then... Goes to see Claudia. And then, she, yeah, she leaves to go see Claudia, and he pulls out a gun. Which, dude, so, sidebar, because we're about to get into it some more. But the level of how the all almost... Every character wants to kill themselves. Yeah. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson just really wanted to drive home that this is a drama. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not meant to be a fun, happy movie. No. Yeah. Anyway, so so we see Jimmy pull a gun out and loads it. Right. And, and then, then... Right. So that's where Jimmy is. So then I'd say let's go to Jim and Claudia. Okay. Jim and Claudia... Um, are on a date. Yes. And it seems... It's... It is going well. They do seem to like each other mutually, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, one-sided. It is two-sided. But Claudia is so damaged that she doesn't want him to get caught up in that, right? Right. And Jim doesn't feel like he is the perfect person she thinks he is, and he's trying to explain that to her and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so... You know, he explains that he lost his gun today. Yeah, and he feels like a fool, and, you know, he's so ashamed and embarrassed and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff, and... You know, and she understands, but, you know, it's still you have no idea, you know, what kind of person I am. You hate me, you know, and they go their separate ways. But she goes home. Yeah, she storms out. And he goes home, I guess, as well, is driving home. And yeah. And then he sees Donnie, Donnie, which we should we have to backtrack a little bit. We do. He does get fired. I did mention that, that he is fired. And uh, now he has decided that he still has keys. He's going to go rob the place. Yes, because he, he needs his... Solomon uh, and Solomon. And I love that he he, he doesn't say, I'm going to get braces. He's, yeah, I'm having a, um, oral, surgery. Or, oral surgery. Like, just say you... Corrective oral surgery. Yeah. Um, I, I love that he keeps saying that. But yeah, yeah, I see him like getting out all his keys. And I'm like, oh no, Donnie, what are you going to do? He's going to go rob the place. And, and he does. And he and he technically and he does. gets away with it. He robs the place. And then he decides... He's going to go put it back. He's like, yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. I'm going to go put it back. And then he's on a ladder. Well, because he because <laughs> he realizes when he left, which I don't think he realized when he left, the key broke oh, off in the lock. snapped in the lock, which is so crazy, right? Yeah. And he didn't notice it until he comes back and he sees it and he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. So then he's like, okay, I'll climb the telephone pole. Yeah. And then... Stop! Stop! <laughs> he's on the, te- yeah, he's on the telephone pole ladder, whatever. Stop! And then I think we should, we should do Frank. Frank. Frank has I, been doing an interview. Yes, he has. He has been doing this interview with this woman, um, and it's an actress I've seen in a lot of things. She's fantastic. They don't. They don't say what the interview is for or who with or anything no, like that. It's just he's doing an interview. He's doing an interview, and it's a taped interview. There's a camera there. So, I mean, whatever. Um, and she offends him. She does because she's uncovered his lies because he's been lying about his mother, his father. Um, Where and he that's, comes. Yeah. And now we're trying to – we're getting the piece together that Earl Partridge is his dad. Right. Right. And they've been estranged because he left them while his mom had cancer. And and, uh, and Tom Cruise had to watch his mom mm-hmm. die of cancer. Which we which we get the full picture when Earl is telling all this to Phil. Yes. Um, in this beautiful monologue about pain and regret and, um, you know, this this sort of guilt he feels. And it, it's 
really powerful and really sad. And mm. er, I mean, dude, Jason Robarts. I love Jason Robarts. So may you rest in peace. So Frank ends up getting connected with Phil. Phil finally gets to him. Well, there, there is one thing I want to ask you. Sure. So during the interview, you know, when she offends him, mm-hmm. the interviewer offends him, you know, he runs out the clock and he just sits yes. there. He doesn't answer any of your questions. Right. You know, and all he says to her is, I'm silently judging you. Yeah. And then he runs out the clock and he, she was like, that's it. You just sat there. And he was like, you wanted my time. I gave you my time. Yeah. And then, you know, he called her, he kind of got a little aggressive with her, mm-hmm. you know, and he called her a fucking bitch, but then she pushed her, pushed him back, which... Like, did she think he was going to hurt her or? Maybe it's possible. But do you think, but I'm sure it's because since he was already getting aggressive, she was like, you know, and he, during, I think the whole interview, it was sort of really tense because, you know, he is just, he's, he's on, you know, Mm. especially in the beginning of the interview. He's just, yeah, when he does, uh, he's the energizer bunny. A a back, uh, a standing, uh, like handstand, like backflip. Yeah, back somersault into his pants. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. He was already wearing his pants, but dude. Oh, and I'd like to point out that this is the closest I've seen uh, come to seeing uh, Tom Cruise's penis. Oh yeah. And I don't ever want to see his penis. Oh, all right. But I mean, kind of rude. These tidy whities, and it's yeah. just bulge. Yeah, it's just right there, dude. I know, dude. And then, yeah, I thought it was really funny. He's like, I'm like, I'm like, Batman, like Superman. I'm like, hey, you almost were those guys. You almost were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then so then Phil finally gets in contact with Phil. Finally. Well, Phil's still on hold. Yeah. Because Frank is talking to fuck, what's her name? Well, he's talking to a person that works in this company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's telling him, I think you should go over there. Yeah. And Frank's like, no, I need you to give me information about what that what Phil said. Right. Yeah. And so finally. So, oh, yeah. And then uh, Frank goes out and does his second speech and then just loses his shit. Oh, man. OK, so I did. I did write this down because the difference between the two, because mm. we only get two. Yes. Uh, we get the first one. Uh, obviously, because there's two. Shit, Jeremy. Shh, don't be an idiot. <laughs> We get the the it's opening okay. one is literally what I meant to say. We, we with get, the with the dun 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 yeah. dun bum. with the yeah the two thousand one space odyssey sort of opening, um, which is shot sort of in a medium. Um, we we see a lot more of his body in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's 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 it's it's very focused. It's sharp. It's you know he's um, using a microphone. Yeah, it's very calculated. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's interacting with the, he's interacting with the guys. Right. The second one. This is after the interview, so he's flustered. <laughs> um, it is close up, mm-hmm. and it's sort of sporadic. It's unorganized. Uh, he fucks up once because he goes, "Open your blue booklets," <laughs> and he flips, flips, flips the, the table. table. Your white booklets. Your white booklets. How to pretend you are. <laughs> Nice and approachable, whatever. Well, and I love that shot when he's like, you know, so now we're going to talk about how to pretend to be nice and caring person. Yeah. And the camera's still focused on that, but he's all the way over here. Yeah. And I love that we can hear him. No, I don't need a microphone. And yeah. then the camera catches up with him. Yeah. No one can see me with my fingers. Gesturing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so the difference between the two is wonderful. And this is, you know, a testament to Tom Cruise. 
Again, he's a much better actor than we gave him credit for. Yeah. I, again, people just see Ethan Especially Hunt. when he goes and visits or Oh, dude. I was I was starting to get a little yeah. was like, oh, my God. Yeah. He – it was – oh, it's amazing. So when he finally goes – and, of course, so, we're yada yadding over the whole singing bit. Yeah. Well, here, I think we should take a just a, a quick pause on Frank. All right. And catch up with Linda. Okay. Linda – Because right before – I think right before we talk about when Frank – finally goes in, Ugh. we should talk about where Linda and Earl are at at this point. Yeah, Linda, I mean, Earl is obviously still in his house because he can't leave. You um, don't know that. He's in his hospital bed. You're right, he could be faking. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Um, Linda has OD'd in her car. Well, well, and I'd like to point out that she has been going around to like all these different doctors and seeing I... I, when I first saw Julianne Moore doing all this, I was like, ah, she's she's gonna get fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, because you know she goes to the doctor that I guess is trying to help Earl, and she goes to a psychiatrist, and then like goes to a pharmacy and hands like what five prescriptions. The pharmacy, the pharmacist, is the most unrealistic thing about the movie, and that's in, and that is counting the climax. <laughs> Really? Because he is like, oh, wow, that's a lot of stuff. They don't, they're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to say out loud what your prescription is in front of yeah, other that's people. A, it's illegal, isn't it? It's it's HIPAA. It's a HIPAA violation. So it's – it you know, that's your personal information. No right. one else should have it, right? And so the fact that he is, you know, commenting, making jokes about her prescriptions is so unreal. <laughs> I hated that part. It makes me so uncomfortable. But then but then Julianne Moore oh, so, gives it to him. I mean – Deservingly, because yeah. it's so ridiculous that he's acting that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah. makes me so mad, and I'm so happy when she just, you motherfucker, you motherfucker, you know, and then she goes off on that rant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, she tells Phil, you know, she apologizes because she comes home right when he gets on with Frank. Mm-hmm. And she berates Phil. Oh, and, poor Phil, and she slaps him. And um, and then she apologizes, and she was she like... She does eventually, yeah. And she's like, you know, if he asks, you know, tell him I'm fine, and tell him that, you know, thank you for taking care of me. Yeah. And so I'll be real. I knew she was going to die. Or I knew she was going to try to commit suicide. Yeah. Because when she comes home, she sits in her car, the garage door is shut, but the car is still running, and then she rolls down her window. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, this is it. Yeah. She's going to kill herself. And then she does it. I was like, but she's not done with this. No. No. Um, she drives for a while, finds a spot to park, I guess. And then And then we get um we we get this kid again. I think that he was in the beginning, he was in the middle, and now he's in I think the, the they refer to him as Dixon. Uh yeah, Dixon is his name. Yeah. Um and uh, he is the warm son. And the son of the African American woman in the beginning, where um, Jim is called. Yes. Too. Yeah. That is. Those are his parents, dude. And I'd like to say, man, fucking. Was this? I, I was like, this kid's fucking everywhere, bro. He, well, he's not. He's in the same spot, right? And so this is where we get that sort of. They're all in the same area. Uh huh. You know. Uh, because obviously he's a kid, he can't drive anywhere, he can just walk. And so realistically, no, he's in the same area, right? Which means everyone's in the same area. Yeah. And yeah, so he <laughs> like a like a fucking G just gets in this lady's car. Yeah. Steals her money, but then calls nine one one calls the phone. cops. Yeah. Yeah. Um or calls the ambulance because she's OD'd in her car. 
Yeah. Um, and she doesn't end up dying. No. Uh, because we, at the end, get that, you know, uh, this is the hospital calling on behalf of, you know, whatever. Yeah. On Linda's condition or whatever. So, so that's where Linda's at. That's where Linda's at. And now, uh, Earl. So he, you know, as you mentioned, he'd given this beautiful monologue about Frank's mom, Lily, mm-hmm. and that he loved her dearly, but he cheated on her constantly. There's a lot of cheating going on in this movie, I know, by the way. Cheating, suicide. It's how we're introduced to Jimmy. Jimmy is cheating on his wife when we're introduced to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. God. Um, yeah. And so... Yeah, there's a lot of that going on in and this because uh, also Linda cheated on Earl, mm-hmm. and she you know admits that, that to the family lawyer. Yeah, which I'm sure he was like, oh fuck, because she doesn't want any of his money anymore, you know. But she doesn't want Frank to have it either, and that's the whole thing. Whatever. No, um, but uh, you know, and and you said it perfectly. Yeah, man, it's this beautiful monologue and painful monologue and yeah. emotional monologue about. How you know he he don't he doesn't know why he cheated on Lily mm-hmm. he just knows he did and he regrets it because mm-hmm. he gave up his love. Now, why did Phil give him the the liquid morphine? Um, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never really thought about it. So, so we should mention that during Linda's whole cornucopia of. Picking up all these drugs, the doctor, I guess, who's treating uh, Earl, uh, says that liquid morphine would be better for him. It'll mm-hmm. stop his pain, but he won't be the same person. Yeah. Because I'm assuming, you know, I've never had morphine, but I'm assuming it's a hell of a drug. Yeah, I heard it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Radcliffe does not in The Young Doctor's Notebook. I mean. Oh, which is a great show. Um, <laughs> Sidebar. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, I, but, didn't, I didn't know you have saying it. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I'm all caught up. So, I want more, but they're not going to make more. Nah. Bastards. So, right. I think it's because he wants, you know, not being the same person, meaning, you know, maybe memories will fade for a few minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't want Earl to dwell on these painful memories. Uh In his last moments of life. Right, 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 right. right, right. Because, you know, up until... You know, the climax, uh, this big old smack in the face surprise, um, he does end up dying, you know? Yeah. And so now we can press play on Frank. Because now I think now that everyone knows where Linda yeah. and Earl are at, Frank now. Frank is now at Earl's house. Yes. Um, Which I <laughs> I love his interactions with Phil. Oh, the, the dogs? <laughs> if those dogs come fucking near me, I'll drop kick them. Yeah. I'll I drop kick those dogs. I love that. I'll drop kick those and dogs. And then he says to him twice. He goes, yeah. hey, I'm not kidding about those dogs. <laughs> you know, keep those fucking dogs away from me or I will drop. Yeah. And, and, and I love how he even talks like that to, to you know, Phil. Because, you know, he gets there and, you know, Phil's like, well, you know, he's in here. And he's like, well, hold on. Just, you know, I need to stand here. So he stands in, you know, the, the uh, breezeway. Yeah. And that's when he's like, okay, I'm going to go in there, but I need you to come in there with me. But I need you to stay away from yeah. me. He's like, but stay in the room in case he needs help because I'm not fucking helping him. Yeah. You know, and, and God, dude. You know, I think for the first couple of uh, – in. The first couple of viewings, I thought he was holding Earl's hand in between his, and that's why he's gripping it so hard. But it's just his hands. Yeah, um, dude, man, that and that the the whole "I'm not going to cry for you" thing that was improvised. That was uh, 
Tom, Tom Cruise? Cruise's idea. Yeah, really. Yeah, way to go, Tommy. I know, and just and the tears uh, and, and then the one eyes. tear, and he's oh, and he's trying to. It's amazing, and he is just struggling so hard, and you can see how angry he's getting in himself that he's feeling sorry for this man that he hates so much, and and, and then, dude, oh, man, I was just like. Oh. I'm like, just let it go, Frank. Yeah. Let it go. No. That's and, your daddy. And he can't. Um, well, oh, then he, well, he finally does. Well, yeah. And when uh, he finally breaks down, which yeah. is, oh, man. It, the whole the whole sequence was so emotional because then Phil's in the corner. And he's sobbing. You know, yes, he's crying. Yeah. Which, again, my boy, R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Until... You know, we cut to Jim driving and then um, – Yeah, and then – We get – I get a big scare even when I watch it because I always forget it's coming yeah, that I, fast. I was not expecting to oh, – oh, shit. Yeah, it is – it's a jarring thing because now we can talk about why this Exodus chapter 8 verse 2 is so damn important. Why are we seeing it everywhere? Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. Thank you. In the King James Version of the <laughs> Holy Bible. Oh, so the best version? Uh, <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> that's pretty funny. All right. Uh, yeah. So, the best version. The um, best version. The No, I should have said the only version. <laughs> and if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all... The, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Okay. And we get that bang. And it's a frog on uh, on Jim's car window. Yeah, it just hit. He goes, what the? What was that? Yeah, and he's, he's trying to figure out, like, because, you know, he's by, you know, shops. By, yeah, he's by, and he's by Donnie, mm-hmm. right? So he's across the street from Donnie because um, he first caught his eye. Because he's climbing up this. Yeah, and, and, and he's going the opposite direction. Right. And, and goes, then he's like. <sighs> so he turns then, around. And then, bam. Boom. So he's mid-turn. So yeah. he's in both lanes. Yeah. And, and bam, it hits his car. And then another one. And then it stops. And, and he looks up. And then one hits the roof. And then downpour. Right. And then we get to see everyone else. And their reactions mm-hmm. to this as well. And the, the, I think the most, well, my favorite is Philip Seymour Hoffman's because, you know, for a second, I didn't think we were going to see them. I just thought he was going to react to it and we'd hear it because um, he's just, you know, and of course, yeah. Frank and Earl are just oblivious. Yeah. You know, so as we we're mentioning, um, Phil is sobbing in the corner and then he yeah. hears and then and, he looks out the window and he goes, and you know the tears stop, his eyes get big, and he's just like, "There's frogs falling from the sky." Yeah, dude. And yeah, I was, I was same thing. I was not expecting us to see it, and it's, and I feel like Paul really puts it in a scale with the pool. Yeah, how it's coming down, and it's and it's hard. <laughs> um, and I guess my second favorite would be Jimmy's because, like you said, he is about to blow his brains out. Yeah, and he and he's doing the whole where he's kind of. Rolling the gun up to his temple, showing you know his his despair, his drunkenness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to see it from the frog's perspective this time, falling uh, down towards his house through the, the sun. skylight, yeah. and hitting his hand as soon as he pulls the trigger, and he shoots his TV, yeah, which uh, I thought was kind of symbolic too. But then right. catching 
the house on fire. Right. But at least, you know, he could get help. Right. And so then we see Donnie. Donnie is um, he's, he's halfway up. And finally, he gets to need corrective oral surgery because it smacks him in the mouth and he falls straight on his face. No, he, he, it smacks him in the face. Yeah. Falls. Boom. Face first. Breaks his fucking teeth. Yeah. So now he needs it, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now he actually needs this corrective oral surgery. Um, and of course... Um, Rose is on her way to Claudia. Yes. And... Um, well, no, I think Rose was just leaving. I think she was just leaving. Yeah. Um, and then I think when the frogs hit, it's it, it hit when she was by Claudia's house. Yeah. And then they... Which again tells you how close these people are together. Yes. Um, so they huddle, right, in Claudia's yeah. house, because yeah. Claudia... Is, she's first, already freaking out. Right. Now, the one person we haven't mentioned where they are and how they got there is Stanley. Yes. Stanley, um, after the humiliation of what do kids know, breaks and, into his school library. And like a fucking G is like, no, Jimmy. Yeah. I'm not going to go up there. Yeah, that's I'm, right. I'm tired of being the only one answering the questions. Like, oh, look at him. He's – I, I love that kid's monologue yeah. too. Like, oh, do you think just because I'm smart, I'm silly? Mm-hmm. Like, no. And uh, I fucking love that. Yeah, no, he, he had a great monologue. And so that's where he is. Yeah, so he and he's books the it out one of the studio. He's not afraid. He's the only one who is, you know, uh, quoting the narrator, you know, just saying, you know, it's just something that happened. You know, these things happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because so, yeah, he's sitting in his school's library, which he broke into. Right. Again, like a fucking G. Yeah, like a G. He broke, <laughs> like a nerdy G broke into the library. It was fucking turtle. <laughs> and um, one of one of the things he's reading has frogs on it. I don't um, – because they, they do scan he's reading, at one point. He's reading like I guess other intelligent children. Yeah. So – so anyway, oh, that's right. Um, I think it was before he goes to what do kids know he's reading about frogs. So that's where he is. And he's, again, the only one unfazed by any of this. I guess with the exception of Frank, who's not even paying attention, right? Because he's still focused on his dad. Which, which, uh, uh, so, and then during all this, you know, Phil's watching all this and then Frank takes notice. Mm-hmm. But then all the thumping wakes Earl up, mm-hmm. and he's able to look into Frank's eyes right. one last time, and then he and then he passes he, away. He dies. Right now, uh, which I thought was also very beautiful. Yeah, because then so Frank great. looks back, right, and you know, and it's almost like this connection of, you know, like. Don't fucking hate me. I want to quote Avatar here. Blue people Avatar, not the last airbender. But, you know, the whole, I see you. Mm-hmm. So they, and you know, almost like an instant connection. And then Frank's able, Earl's able to pass. Right. Knowing that he finally saw his son one last time. Right. And that his son came to see him. Right. Right. No matter how mad they already do. Right. Um, or how mad Frank is at him. Right. Um, and so... My favorite thing about the movie is that we don't – he doesn't bother explaining the frogs, number one. Well, kind of, you know, because the narrator says like, like, oh, you know, most people think that like, uh, you know, in movies that would be believable. Right. Or something like that. Or, you know, uh, because it was in a movie, I don't believe it. But these oh, things yeah. happen, right? Um, 
and we don't get to see much of the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see a little bit. We get to find out where everyone's going to end up. Yeah, Frank's going to the hospital to visit Linda, Linda. which suggests that they're probably going to... Maybe reconcile? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Right. Um, Phil says goodbye to Earl mm-hmm. and Earl's dog. And Earl's dog. Who ate One a, of the Earl's dog. Yeah, who yeah. ate a morphine pill and mm-hmm. finally killed him. Um, Jimmy doesn't arrest Donnie. No. But he watches Donnie put all put the money the back money in. the money back, yeah. And then gives him a card like, here, this is my teeth guy. Go see him. Yeah. And which I love that Jim has a, a teeth a guy. A teeth guy. Um, and then he is going to go see Claudia. Yes. And, you know, and Claudia is... And, and I like what Paul did is he put her in white. Yeah. And white usually symbolizes, you know, purity mm-hmm. and cleanliness. Yeah, it's and, sort of a rebirth. Yeah, almost like suggesting that she's going to get help now. Right. And, and we get that, you know, smile, look to camera, and then... Boom. Yes. Hope you enjoyed the movie, right? Yeah. Um, now, I asked you off mic, and I told you not to tell me till we were recording. You're not going to lie my answer. The title. Yeah. Magnolia. Yeah. Why is it called Magnolia? I don't know. Oh, fuck. I told you not going to lie my answer. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, I waited all night for that. Yeah, sorry. Because um, I thought that it would... Um, you know, I, you know, because I know, because, because, okay, <laughs> my my mind's all over the place now. Um, so I love it when things are obscure mm-hmm. like that. You know, like, you know, like old. Uh, you know, I listen to, as you know, I listen to a lot of, you know, heavier bands, and you know, if any listeners out there know, you know, metalcore bands back in the very early two thousand tens. A lot of their song titles mm-hmm. made no sense about what the song was actually about. All right, I got it. You ready? You know, like, um, like uh, there's a band I listen to called The Devil Wears Prada, and they have a song called Reptar King of the Ozone, mm-hmm. and it's uh, song has nothing to do with Reptar from Rub Rats, and so like, I don't know, man. But for movies, it's different. I, I kind of want the title to not it just I want the title to make sense this one will you ready okay alright this is from the internet <laughs> the in, the internet yeah I know but it makes sense so okay. uh, and this is something I haven't looked up before um, I should have probably wrote it down um, the last explanation is going to be a coincidence which is fitting right but the other two here we go uh, there is a legend that the bark of the magnolia tree can cure cancer. Mm. And a magnolia is a type of flower which is used as a symbol throughout the film. The concept of the blooming flower has been used as an anthology for the film's structure and flow. Okay. Now, here is the coincidence. Magnolia is an eight-letter word with two A's, and those being the second and the eighth letter, which is 8-2. Exodus chapter 8, verse 2. Ah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Magnolia. Hmm. 
I, I bet if we were to ever meet uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, he'd be like, "No, nah, that's bullshit." Nah, Actually, no, dude. Nah, dude. I just like the I just like Magnolias, man. What What's uh, funny is someone asked him after the movie years after the movie came out. He was like, "Hey, um, would you ever recut Magnolia? And what would you do?" He goes, "Oh man, that thing's way too fucking long. I would cut it way down." That thing really? is yeah. He goes, "It is." unnecessarily long and I was like really I wanted so, more of the worm stuff so he f- so he felt like the finished product that was released in theaters was still too long yeah he thinks wow. it's too long um, I disagree I think it's I one mean, of his best yeah I disagree too I, I felt like three hours and eight minutes was perfect yeah you know um Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah, he goes, no way. That's way too long. I think it's so funny that he <laughs> he might have, I mean, you know, obviously I read it. I didn't see it. I didn't no. hear him say it. So I can only, I don't know what the, the tone of his answer was or whatever, you know, the context. I, yeah, I'm sure he probably said it more like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's already too long. too long. Yeah, it's too long. You know, no. I would cut it way down. Like there's no. a lot of stuff I can cut out of that and it's fine. Yeah, um, it still makes sense. I, you know, I really do wish though that they would have cut a little more out of the worm stuff because yeah, because if they because if they're going to cut the character out, then cut everything else or at least most of it out because you know, obviously the kid is really important, so you can't cut him out. And you can't cut the woman out, but, but you kind of can cut the woman out because you know, yes, it introduces Jim as the police officer, but I don't know. Um, yeah, because. You get two ins two more two other incidents with Worm. It's when he comes home mm-hmm. and he see the, all the kids are there, and then when Jim drives by him, and you know Jim kind of you don't see his face, you see yeah. hooded guy, and Jim sees him and kind of puts it off until he starts running. Yeah, and then Jim's like, okay, that's, that's where he loses the gun. Yeah, um, at which the gun reappears, falls from the sky like the frogs. You know, oh, we forgot to mention that Jim is a devote. I don't know if he was Catholic, but a devote Christian. Christian, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he is, because the crucifix in his bedroom. And and then when, you know, he's talking to God, mm-hmm. when he leaves Claudia's apartment, and then yeah. when he loses his gun. Yeah. You know, uh, which now it's fitting that you explain the, the Bible verse in the ending mm-hmm. for Jim to be a devout Christian. Right. Um, yeah, and you know, the... And of course, they don't say it because he's not in the movie anymore but the worm actually killed the guy who's in the closet right well i had a feeling yeah and so i mean i really wish he would just fit it all together and just give me a three and a half hour movie you know (laughs) Uh, i just saw the irishman i'm fine with the three and a half hour movie that's fine (laughs) and sidebar if anyone can hear sirens in the background oh yeah sorry um i don't think you can but i can just in case uh, we apologize. Yeah, we, we can. We can hear it. Yeah. Well, uh, is, that, is that everything, Jeremy? That's pretty much everything. Um, like I said, I love this movie very, very much. I greatly enjoyed it. I uh, definitely want to get it now, especially I want to get the Predestination. Oh, Predestination. Um, now, uh, next week. Oh, have you decided? I have not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will. So next week is going to be uh, my pick. And then, like Jeremy said last week, just to kind of set you guys up, because we are kind of getting towards the end of season two. Yes, we were finally counting episodes this time. Last time, it was like 30 episodes. It and was we're like 22. Okay. We're, that's long. It, it's not going to be that many anymore per season. Like, seasons even matter because we don't take hiatuses. But um, Well... 
We'll talk about it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and so I would like to do a series of uh, three films and a a conclusion, episode four total, uh, for my favorite stage-to-screen adaptations. Okay. So um, that will be after your pick next week. Yes. So next week, everyone, get ready. Uh, will be my pick. I still haven't decided. Uh, I want it to be a gooden. A gooden. A gooden. A good. It's a gooden. And then we will have Jeremy's series. Uh, it's only fitting because we ended season one with my series. Ugh. And now we're going to end season two with Jeremy's series. But I think he's going to like this one, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, I think he's going to like the, the stage and screen stuff. So I think that'll be interesting. So I can't wait to see what we do next week. I don't, you know, now it's a mystery. I don't know. Uh, I'll do it. What? Well, we hope everyone enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you next week. Could never love